0: Hey there, wonderful listeners. Welcome back to the Uncomfortable Talk Show, where we dive headfirst into life's complex, yet often overlooked, corners. In this episode, we're delving into a subject close to my heart, the unsung heroes, the warriors of everyday life, caregivers. Join me as we peel back the layers and reveal the realities of caregiving. Shedding light on the immense sacrifices, struggles, and unseen moments that caregivers endure. This episode is a heartfelt tribute to those who dedicate their lives to caring for loved ones, often putting their own aspirations and dreams on hold. We'll navigate the challenges faced by caregivers who live alongside their loved ones, providing a glimpse into the sacrifices made and the constant adjustments in their lives. From the intricacies of managing daily routines to the emotional toll it takes, we'll uncover the unspoken truths behind the selfless act of caregiving. So keep listening as we unveil the untold stories of caregivers, highlighting their strength, resilience, and unwavering love. Join me on today's journey as we shine a light on the lives of those who care tirelessly and unconditionally. In today's episode of Episode 9 of the Uncomfortable Talk Show, an eye-opening exploration into the realities of caregiving. Caregiving isn't just a personal endeavor. It's a widespread reality affecting millions worldwide. According to the World Health Organization, WHO, approximately 53 million people are caregivers for someone with dementia globally. In the United States alone, over 53 million adults are unpaid caregivers. A number expected to rise as the population ages. These caregivers often face immense challenges, balancing the demands of their personal lives while providing continuous care. Studies have shown that many caregivers end up sacrificing their careers, education, or personal aspirations due to the responsibilities of caregiving. About 70% of caregivers report working full-time or part-time jobs on top of their caregiving duties, leading to increased stress and burnout. Moreover, the emotional toll of caregiving cannot be overlooked. The strain of witnessing a loved one's decline in health, managing their daily needs, and navigating complex health care systems take a, takes, a mag, takes a significant mental and emotional toll. Many caregivers report feelings of isolation, anxiety, and depression due to the constant pressure and emotional strain. The financial impact is also considerable. Caregivers often incur out-of-pocket expenses for medical supplies, transportation, and other necessities, leading to financial strain and, in some cases, debt. It's estimated that caregivers spend an average of $7,000 annually On caregiving related expenses, further intensifying their financial burden. These statistics underscore the enormity of the caregiving role, highlighting the challenges faced by caregivers worldwide. Beyond the physical task of caregiving, the emotional, financial, and personal sacrifices made by caregivers are profound and deserving of recognition and support. I feel compelled to share my experiences as a caregiver on this podcast because while my story is not unique, it is shared. It is a shared reality for many. This past year in the wake of my father's passing, I've come to understand that amidst the darkest of times, there's still a flicker of hope. It's a realization that drives me to reach out and support others who may be still navigating similar paths. The truth is being a caregiver for a loved one is an experience many people go through. It's a role that demands a lot, so very much, yet it goes unrecognized so often or misunderstood. And it can be very annoying when someone you care for is battling multiple health issues and it's solely you and perhaps one other person, in my case my brother and at times my aunt, when, you know, providing the care and the weight can be overwhelming even with, you know two or three people helping you out. Our shifts as caregivers were endless. There were no clock-ins or clock-outs. Every day brought a new set of challenges from assisting with the most basic needs to enduring the emotional strain of being the primary support. Being adult children further complicated matters. Our father often saw us as kids. You know, he couldn't see us beyond the little ones and that made it even harder for him to heed our advice or help such things as feeding him ensuring he took his medicines and his medications lifting lifting him when he fell these tasks didn't follow a schedule it's not like a job where you punch in and out it's a 24-7 commitment that takes an immense toll physically emotionally and mentally Despite dedicating six years of my life to caring for my father when I moved back and my brother spending even longer, we were met with harsh judgments and misunderstood by those who witnessed only a fraction of these struggles. The decision to transition him into full-time nursing care was agonizing, a culmination of relentless efforts to keep him at home. The heartbreak of that decision was compounded By the dismissive attitudes of some paramedics, not all, but there were some. And it was enough, especially whenever your emotions are already heightened. I'm not dissing paramedics or the medical professionals out there, but when these situations come with dementia and the other issues that he had, COPD, congestive heart failure, all these other things, and you're... (laughs) Kind of judged a bit harshly, it can even sting even worse. And they didn't witness these late nights, these efforts to even try to prevent the falls in the first place, or the countless times we managed to lift him up. Most of the time it was because we were being sneaky, and I wouldn't tell him the plan because, still, as I said, we were his adult children, so he wanted to control every single aspect of everything. So sometimes you had to be a little bit tricky and not tell him exactly what you were doing and just do it. And even that could be difficult. And I had help here with my brother. And a lot of times my aunt and my uncle even would try to talk my father down. But even with that small little t- tight knit sort of team, it could still be it could still be very pressured. So instead, when the paramedics got here, they only saw what they saw. And a couple of them, not many, but a couple, they chose to belittle our efforts, making us feel like a burden rather than individuals grappling with an incredibly challenging situation. And pride can get in the way, but that wasn't what this was about, because my mind was going directly to the fact when we finally decided that we needed to get him into a long-term care facility. What if one time he ends up being hurt beyond repair and this happens? I need someone at this point that I can trust to help. I don't need, you know, jokes being made. I'm very, I really love comedy and I I have humor, but there are moments where things need to be a little bit more serious And at that time, if I felt like he was his health was in danger because of that, because it ended up being that they dismissed it. And then just a week later, when we got him into a facility, it was found out that he was having uh, some kind of a poison happening with him because with COPD and everything, if you're not processing the oxygen correctly you can end up being poisoned it's uh, like carbon dioxide i think poisoning like you're breathing in the oxygen but you're not breathing out the carbon dioxide and that will stay in your system and that made him pass out at the facility which got him to go to the hospital so if i felt like The more complex this was getting, if I couldn't trust them, the medical professionals to help, I needed to get him somewhere that I knew he could be watched consistently. And I went down screaming, and I didn't want him to have to go into a facility. But see, this was even a pre-grief sort of thing. Because I was just, and my brother especially too, we were getting used to the fact that he wasn't living here any longer. So this is even before he passed away back in March of 2023 from 2022 of that winter into spring, he lived at a facility. So it took us a year of even getting used to the fact he wasn't living in the house with us any longer. And if that did not happen by flight of fancy sort of thought, we, we, really didn't want that to happen because i take my job anything i've ever done in my life i've taken it seriously Uh, i mean i i do have moments where i do act silly in my job and i do enjoy making people laugh but i do take my job serious and whether it's being a manager working overnight at walmart or working at kroger or whatever it is i'm doing Even if it's writing an article or writing something that makes me happy, I consider that to be work. And I saw that there was something there in this house and in this town that I was lacking in. And it does take a hit to say I can't do this because if he had died on my watch while they're not taking this situation seriously, that would have done more harm than good so with caregiving with caregiving it is trying to find the best the best solution for the moment that you're in and a lot of times it's touch and go it's going as you're it's it's kind of trying to figure it out as you're going there's no straight line Like, you know, if you're baking a cake, you pretty much know what you need to do, right? With caregiving, one day is good. One second is good. But then the next second, you go to use the restroom and your loved one is already down the street because he's done gotten outside and you don't know where he's at. So, I mean, there's so many different, different elements that goes into this caregiving world. That's why I want to write this, because having navigated through this journey of caregiving and the subsequent transition, I'm compelled to extend a helping hand to those currently entangled in these similar circumstances. I know what it's like to feel that frustration of not being understood, the isolation of feeling unheard. Now, I don't have anyone to caregive for, and you know... I feel like it's my calling to extend some kind of guidance to those who might feel stranded in the midst of their caregiving role. And my goal and my aim is to provide strategies not just for caring for your loved ones, but also for ensuring you take care of yourselves in the process. Because if there's one thing that I didn't do in this entire time, I wasn't taking care of myself, and I'm not blaming dad for that i'm not blaming any of it it's not his fault you have i had a very i have like a one-track mind so i really had to be mindful of doing certain things even with see what was it like a almost a full year to not even be in here it's still very strange to get into that role that hey you're a person too you need to also be caregived for Or, you know, you deserve that love as well, you know. And it's, in my mind, it was very easy to get off track with that. And I've had a lot of time since March to think about everything a bit more clearly. And I've really been processing things. I've been writing a lot of things. A big variety of things. And so over the last eight months went on nine months I've had a lot of time to process everything because just because your watch has ended and just because the person that you love has now passed it doesn't stop there Um, it, it didn't stop there because then you start wondering about things and you start wondering all kinds of questions like did I do this right Did I do that right? It's a lot to process. You know, especially when you love hard, it makes it even harder to let go. But what's led me to this point and making the decision of where I want to go now with my life, as far as what I see myself doing now, I've come across two important truths. Number one, I'm really not that important number two, it's to find the joy, the happiness, even when things are bad or chaotic. Now, upon uncovering the layers by what these two statements mean, I get it. Or this is my understanding of it. My pain, tears, and heartbreak is not something so unique that no one has ever felt this way before. I'm not the only person who's ever went through this. And somehow, thinking that I'm unique in that is the very thing that's kept me quiet about it in the first place. And the way I'm seeing this is that I don't need a hide out anymore. I don't need to be a house goblin, introverted person who shuts myself off from everything, because the truth is, there are people out there that I could be helping. I'm wasting time by sitting in my house, and not even looking beyond my own pain. I'm not the only caregiver who has felt alone, guilt, or beat down by the weight of other people's opinions that would rather talk about how terrible you're doing rather than doing anything past that. I'm not the only woman or human being, for that matter, to have ever been in an abusive relationship and felt pain from being hit and yelled at or even worse. Ignore it on purpose, and you know you're being played with in your mind, but try so hard to figure out what to do to make them talk to you again. You can find out more about these in the previous eight episodes of the Uncomfortable Talk Show, where i talk more about finding my voice and figuring out who I am. But I am not the only person that's ever sat in a group of people who say they're Christians, and I'm not saying every one of them, but... This is part of my journey of what happened. But I do believe in Jesus. I'm very much a Christian. But I'm not the only person who has sat amongst other people who say they believe and that they love Jesus. But those same people will sit there and tell you that everything you are is wrong and you're nothing. You should shut up and be quiet. And I am not the only person out there that's ever had a great idea took the risk of sharing that idea, then have it dismissed. Then when someone comes up with something similar, those same people who dismissed it when it came from your mouth suddenly think it's the best thing they've ever heard. And I'm not the only person that's had to compartmentalize and try to get through the death of a parent at a young age. I'm not the only person that has went through being bullied in school by their peers. And that's where the love for a world with, with books... Could create was their solace. I'm saying that that's when I started reading a lot and getting into stories, including stories on the movie screen. (laughs) I'm very much... uh, I love film. I love stories of any format, whether they be songs, television, movies, whatever. I like stories. But I'm not the only person that's had to explain away parts of themselves and say why they never wore shorts or only wore long sleeve shirts to hide the fact that they, while not addicted to anything illegal that would land you in jail, but somehow seeing the wound on your skin healing brought some kind of good feeling that something could heal. And I am certainly not special in the fact that I tried my hardest to keep my father out of a nursing home, staying with him for years and losing that battle when the dementia got to be way too much. I'm not the only person that's heard the things said by someone who suffers from this terrible disease that will and do cut to the core. And that's when you learn how to compartmentalize and separate what they're doing from who you know who they are underneath it all. And I'm certainly not the only person out there in this world, though there are a few that can see this And see how this all can be a good thing. And it can be. All I have to do is look through the tears. Find the little edges of what can happen now. Drown in the tears? Should I drown in the despair? Or should I raise my arm up, wiping those tears from the back of my long sleeve shirt, covering my arm, and know that I am still alive? I'm still walking around this planet. And I know why I went through all those things and why I made the choices I made to do them all. And I turn around, looking for my group of people who are still there, alone, crying without a person to hear them at all. And they shed the tears, and I want them to know that they aren't alone. They matter. You matter. I'm not unique in my pain, and this is exactly why I need to throw away all of these terrible thoughts, the long shirts, and help people that are still in that kind of pain believe that they can move on from it. That it's possible to come out on the other side, not unscathed or without scars, but you can use those scars to create a story. Whether those scars are invisible or visible, my main goal is to help people have the hope that they can believe in something, that they can move on from this. Thank you for joining me on this heartfelt journey into the world of caregiving. If you resonated with today's conversation, I want you to know that you're not alone. The struggles, sacrifices, and emotions of caregiving are universal, and it's okay to feel overwhelmed at times. Remember, this isn't just a podcast episode. It's a starting point for a community of caregivers, a space where your struggles are understood and valued. If you're seeking support or guidance, I invite you to connect with me on Instagram. On my Instagram page, I'll be sharing resources, insights, and a supportive community for caregivers. You'll find tips on self-care, strategies to navigate challenging situations, and a safe space to share your experiences. Together, let's walk this path hand in hand, supporting each other and finding strength in our shared journey. Your story matters. Your efforts are appreciated and your well-being is essential. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. You can find me on Instagram at, at the Susan Moore. Let's continue this conversation there. Stay strong, caregivers. Goodbye for now.